The commandment that we are looking at is the eighth. Very simply, from Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, it says, you shall not steal. You shall not steal. And now we turn to Matthew's gospel to hear Jesus speaking about similar matters in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, from verse 19 to 34, page 971. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable than, are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. We trust that God will bless to us this reading from his word, John. Super. Well, let's turn with me to Matthew's gospel and to chapter 6, as Nigel read for us just a few moments ago. And as we turn this up, let's just pause for a moment to pray and ask for the Lord's help as we approach his word. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for this wonderful opportunity on this your day to come and to worship with your people. And so we ask now that as we sit under your word, that you would help us, that you would focus our minds and our hearts, that you would speak again to us. Lord, we love you, and we want to become more like your Son. Shape us in his likeness, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Matthew chapter 6, and on the 18th of March, 2003, one day before the air assault started and, and marked the beginning of the war in Iraq, there was one of the greatest bank robberies of all time. Saddam Hussein organized the robbery of the central bank of Iraq to the tune of somewhere in the region of $920 million. $920 million. 
It's reported that it was a quarter of the country's currency reserves. And so uh, Saddam Hussein organized three uh, lorries to pull up outside the central bank, uh, and he held up the, the Bank of Iraq and made away with this 920 million pounds or dollars. And then, as the American soldiers come into Iraq, what happens? Well, they're sent out after this money to retrieve it, and robbery was committed by Saddam Hussein, but then it's also committed by 35 of the American soldiers because they steal thousands upon thousands of dollars of this money for themselves, and 35 of them were caught, hundreds of thousands of dollars. The greatest bank robbery and then those who go out to catch the bank robbers end up stealing it themselves. It's a, it's a double robbery. And whenever we come to this commandment, you shall not steal, that's what we think of, isn't it? We think of some film called The Italian Job or some other film where someone pulls up a, a little scarf, uh, maybe an old western, and they hold up a train, and you think, this is, this is only for those people, high-level robbers. It's for the the Oliver Twists and the pickpockets of London. If you're a young person here this morning, maybe you're thinking about the boy or the girl at school who goes into the shop and, and takes the chocolate bar and slips it into their pocket. Maybe it's the girl who puts her hand into the pick-a-mix and doesn't pay for the penny chew, which are probably two or three P now, and probably not a penny any longer. Or for some of the grown-ups, you think about this commandment, you shall not steal. And who do you think about? You think about the, the fraudsters, those who, who are dodging or fudging their tax accounts. Now, whatever springs to mind, one thing is certain, just like the commandment for not to murder, we think that whenever it comes to stealing, it doesn't apply to us. We think it's great advice for the pickpocket, great advice for the fraudster, but does it have much to say to ordinary people like you and me? Well, let's try and unpick this a little bit. As we go into Matthew chapter 6, what we're going to try and see are some of the principles that underline what we have read together. So, from verse 19, what's going on? What is Jesus expounding here on the Sermon on the Mount? Now, it's crucial to understand the logic behind Commandments 5 to 10. Let's think about it. Let's recap. Commandments 1 through 4, we could summarize them as love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's commandments one through four. Then from commandment five through ten, we could summarize them as love your neighbor as yourself. What do we see in those? God is interested in that we honor Him in the way that we should, but also that we honor one another and treat one another in the way that God tells us. Now, this is important for us because, again, back in Exodus 20, God has just delivered Israel. They're His covenant people. He's brought them out from under the oppression of Pharaoh. He's rescued them. He's established them, and they're His new worshiping people. They're His children. And as such, Yahweh, and what do we mean by Yahweh? We simply mean the covenant name of the Lord. Yahweh is setting up His new people, a new humanity, His chosen people, and then He gives them these words in Exodus 20, the design for life. So, what we see is the Lord coming to His people. He shows them His heart. He shows them the things that He prioritizes and how they can please Him by giving them these beautiful words that will help them 
to flourish. They tell us how to relate to the Lord, how to honor and worship Him, and how to relate and care for one another. And so this morning, in the second half of the commandments, what we see is this. How we treat one another is of vital importance. It really matters to the Lord. And what we see is that these Ten Commandments, they're difficult for us. They, they, they're great against us in many ways, don't they? They're great against us because our, our fallen desires come out. They ooze out through the commandments. And so like the, the piece of cheese that starts to come through the grater, and then the grater comes up against it and cuts it off, that's, that's these sinful desires that come out from us. And what we're going to see is do not steal has a much broader application than what we may think at first reading. Well, we're going to see three things, and this morning the first is this. This command protects. This command protects. Perhaps you've been somewhere and the sign has read, private property, trespassers will be prosecuted. And you think to yourself, will we really? But then you go for a wonder in South Armagh, and the sign reads, intruders will be shot. And you think to yourself, well, maybe I'll just be a little bit more careful with taking a step off the, the known path. Why is it that we take owning property so seriously? Why do people get sent to jail for stealing? Well, it's because of this commandment, isn't it? God, as He implements this, knows that if any group of people are going to function well, then each individual has the right to own their own property and goods. We work, and therefore we can own things. It's the ordered way of life, isn't it? Property protected, stealing prohibited. And without this God-given law, there would be nothing to stop me this morning from going out and from stealing stuff from all of you here this morning. If I decided to go, I would pick on the smaller people. Anybody above my height, you're safe enough. Anybody small, I could come out, take your watch, take your car, take any nice jackets, whatever I would want, right? If I'm stronger than you, I'm going to try and take this from you. This God-given law is here to protect people. Look at verse 19. Isn't that what the Lord's saying? He's trying to reorientate our lives, trying to reorientate our minds and our hearts. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. There's a, there's a pointlessness to, to wanting to steal, to wanting to take other people's things. The Lord says, don't become distracted, verse 19, with those things. They're, they're only going to rust and, and destroy. They've got no eternal significance. Others will come and try and steal them. But we as Christians should, should see things differently. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. What's he saying? Yes, nice things are nice, but they're not the be-all and end-all. Now, if we do away with the Eighth Commandment, the strong would prosper, the weak would be taken advantage of, society would tear apart at the seams, anarchy would descend, violence would literally pay, people would murder one another, money would be pointless, businesses couldn't operate, and we would live in a state of constant fear. Do we see how this commandment is good? 
It's good for us. It protects us from the bully, from the greedy, from the, the self-centered. And it's crucial. It's a crucial foundation for any society, for any group of people. And the beautiful thing is it, it, that someone just didn't come up with this one day. Someone in the, the Palace of Westminster didn't one day think to themselves, it would be a really good idea if we didn't steal from one another. No, God stitched this in to His new community, to His people, to protect us and for our good. And what we fail to see and what the world fails to see is that this is given by a loving God to protect us from one another, to protect us from utter chaos. It protects us, but not only that. Listen to this in question 141 in the Westminster Larger, Larger Catechism. It's talking about this commandment, and it not only protects us, but it's there for our prospering. Listen to this. It, it's talking about this commandment, and it says that the duties that are required of us are this, that we should endeavor by all just and lawful means to procure, preserve, and further the wealth and outward estate of others, as well as our own. The very fact that we don't steal, the reverse of that means that we, we should give and we should help others prosper and thrive, that we should do all that we can to increase other people's estate. We should work for the good of one another, helping one another, sharing with one another, encouraging one another. And so this commandment protects and it prospers us. Secondly, this command then carries a promise. Sometimes the small print in certain documents can catch us out, can't it? Maybe a, a little bit in the, the insurance policy, the health insurance policy, that you go, maybe you break your finger or arm on holidays, and there's a, there's a stipulation that if you're driving a quad that it doesn't cover you, and you happen to be driving a quad whenever you do it. The small print often catches us out. But here, the small print of this command blesses us. There's a promise to receive in this. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 25. I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What's the Lord? What's Jesus teaching us? The greatest preacher who ever lived and the greatest sermon ever preached, what's He telling us? He's telling us that there's no need to steal. And why is there no need to steal? Because, verse 25, we don't need to be anxious about our life. Look at verse 30. For if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you? What does stealing reveal? Stealing reveals that the person that is doing the stealing believes that they do not have enough. They are not content. They are not satisfied. And the thief relies upon himself or herself to provide. They're motivated by greed and selfishness. And so the Lord in, in verse 25, He says, you don't need to be anxious. You don't need to worry about these things. You don't need to worry about the nicest clothes or the nicest food or about your life because I will provide. I am your Father. I am your Lord. And He will provide for us. 
But the thief does the exact opposite of what Jesus is saying in these verses, doesn't he? The thief, for whatever reason and for whatever motive, steals because they do not have enough. They have no contentment. The person that, that fiddles the books, who's earning a decent wage but fiddles the books in the background, what are they after? They're after more and more and more. No contentment. They have no peace. They sit in their beds late at night and they think, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. They're not happy. There's a desire for more. There's an itch to get ahead. What does the Lord do? He comes to Israel in Exodus 20 and He says, you shall not steal. Why? Because you will have enough. You will have enough. I will provide, says the Lord. I will watch over you, and I will keep you. Psalm 121, I will watch over your going out and your coming in. I will provide for you every step of the way. You will not need to steal. You will have enough. Isn't it interesting? Look at chapter 6 and verse 11. What does Jesus teach His disciples to pray? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread just enough for today. Just enough for today. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow the Lord will provide again. But as we pray, we pray, Lord, give us enough for this day. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough worry there for you. But trust yourself to me. He gives us what we need each and every day. He gave it to our forefathers as they wandered through the wilderness. He provided them with bread and with water and with meat. And He will meet our needs too. The Lord is saying, do not steal. Why? So that you can rely on me. Live by faith. I will provide for my people. I will feed my sheep. And so what do we see this morning? We see God's very heart on display for His people. And what is He calling us to do? He's calling us to trust Him, isn't He? He's calling us to, to trust Him with our lives, to trust Him with our needs, to come before Him in prayer. Because through this, what we see is that the Lord's heart is a heart of plenty for us, not of less. He's the one who loves to give to us as His children, not to hold back. He, he, he loves to lavish His love upon us. He, he gives us all that He has. He gives us mercy and grace. He gives us His only Son. He supplies the needs of His children. He's the good shepherd who calls to his sheep, and he feeds his sheep, and he supplies their every need. Psalm 23, there is a banquet led on for the children of God, and our cups will not dry up. They will overflow. There's a promise. Claim the promise. The Lord will provide. And then thirdly, and lastly, this command unlocks our heart. This command unlocks our heart. And here we're going to see the, the broad application of this. You know, the, you know the scene that happens regularly. The phone rings in your house, and it's a friend on the other end. And they say, well, are you up to much tonight? And you say to yourself, well, no, I'm, I'm not really up to much, hoping that they're going to say, do you want to go into town for an ice cream, or do you want to go for a coffee? And as you give out those words, you're hoping that it's going to be a positive response 
But instead they reply, well, we've decided to strip wallpaper. Would you mind coming around and giving us a hand? What they've done with that question is they've unlocked your social defense. See, you thought, I I should have said, well, I'm not really sure. Depends. I might be free. I might not be free. They have unlocked your social defense with an unassuming question. And like that, this command comes and it unlocks us. We began today thinking, oh, this is only relevant for the, the worst in society. But actually, this shows that this will unlock our heart and it will show us some unpleasant sights. Stealing, as it were, is the, the weed head. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm, I'm running it into a word. A, a weed head of the root of greed and selfishness. So, if the, the head of this weed is stealing, the action of stealing, as we, as we follow it down and as we go into the soil and we examine the roots, the roots of this are greed and selfishness. That's where it comes from. I want, therefore I will take. I deserve therefore I will have. I want to get ahead, therefore I will take from others. And so, what it shows us is verse 21 of chapter 6. See what Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As we steal from one another, it reveals where our treasure is. If we steal pocket watches, That shows us that we have an obsession and a treasure laid on pocket watches. If we steal money from people, it's money that's our treasure. If we steal property by moving the fence every year a foot to the right and another foot to the right and another foot to the right, it shows us that we prioritize land. Land is our treasure. See how it reveals? And what does the Lord say? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What the Lord wants through this this morning is to recapture our hearts that He's the treasure, that we're not going to steal, but that we're going to absorb as much as we can from the Lord, that we're going to be in the place of worship to enjoy and delight ourselves in Him, not sidetracked with our eyes on other things. Jesus is saying, don't waste our time. Don't waste our time worrying about the, the little intricacies of how we're going to steal things, of sitting and plotting a plan, Spend your time with me, the Lord says. Don't gain possessions, as good as what they are. What will happen? Verse 19, moth and rust will destroy them, but lay up for yourself in heaven something that will not be destroyed. Verse 20, a treasure. See then the logic of verse 22? The eye is the lamp of the body. So, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. What we're looking at in our mind's eye, what we're thinking about in our mind's eye, if it's, if it's negative, if it's dark, if it's the things of this world, then it will affect our whole body. And in this then, Jesus again is, is emphasizing that He cares about how we treat one another. So, let's think about the things that we can steal. We can steal time, can't we? In the workplace, you're contracted by your employer for so many hours work a day or a week. Maybe it's eight hours a day, maybe it's more. And by signing the contract, that is you promising that you will give your employer that amount of hours a day. 
These hours are yours. You're paying them for me to work in your place. So starting late, finishing early, stretching our coffee breaks, pushing a longer lunch, taking lots of unnecessary tea breaks, purposefully wasting time during work hours, is stealing. It is stealing. Across Europe for many years, people talked about a Protestant work ethic. Now, that is not a sectarian statement. It's a principle from the Reformation itself, that those who were Christian, they understood the Eighth Commandment and what it meant to work hard, to work well, to work efficiently. That was all part of what it meant to follow Jesus. And so, Christians should be the best employees. Every employer should want to hire a Christian in their company. Now, I've heard it said, and young people take this as advice, if you're taking notes this morning on your clipboards, I once heard it said from an older man giving careers advice, do as little as you can and get as much money for doing that as you can. That is wrong advice. That is not the mindset of the Scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 4, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. How we work really matters. Employers, if you're the owner of a business, what you do is equally as important. Christian bosses should be the best people to work for. They should be generous and kind and understanding and flexible and not rob their people of the wage that is due for them. Similarly, employees, when it comes to stationery in your company, pens and pencils and staplers and hole punchers, are they yours or are they the company's? Taking leftover materials, taking a bit of pipe or a few slates or a bit of concrete, are not ours to take. Young people, whenever it comes to school and you're sitting in an exam and you're really stuck at a question and you look over at somebody else's work, what do you do in that moment? We have, we've said it's copying, but what is it? It's stealing. Maybe you take someone else's homework and you copy it. Maybe you take someone else's answers and you copy it. That is stealing. What about theft of reputation? Shakespeare said this. He said, he who steals my purse steals trash. But he who steals from me my good name, he makes me poor indeed. This is something that we often don't think about, but gossip is a breach of the ninth commandment, as we'll think about next week, but its effect is a breach of the eighth. To speak words that assassinate a person's character is to steal their reputation. And as you speak, you attack their credibility. You attack their personhood, the very reflection of their creator, of our creator God. Be careful with our words. The theft of money. We know that whenever we owe a debt, that we're in someone's debt, but sometimes we build up the money that we could pay it off, but we think, no, we'll not do that to a friend or a family member. Give people what is due to them. 
What about happiness? Have you thought about how we come into the house? Come into your house, you're in a bad mood, you react sharply, you bite at your children or your parents or your spouse or at your classmate, young people. And as you do, what are you doing? You're stealing their happiness. How we speak to people, how we treat people, how we respond really matters. One sharp word, one quick response, one bad, nasty look, and we steal people's delight in that day. Everything could be going really well. And then someone arrives home and they speak, and it steals the happiness. Or to think about last week, what Nigel preached on, what about stealing other people's partners? Starts by engaging with another person's husband or wife in conversation. And then your mind starts to wander, and you start to think about them in an inappropriate way. You see, all in all, J.I. Packer helpfully writes this, and the comment will come up on the screen. Could stop faith be a word God is speaking to you and me today? Stop faith. These are not all the ways that we can steal, but there's some. And the Holy Spirit will apply this into our hearts. But we also steal from God, don't we? Every good gift, James 1.17, comes from Him. And what do we do? We, we take these things that God gives us and trust. He gives us everything that we have. Our homes are His. Our bank balance is His. Our spouses are His. Our children are His. Our jobs are His. Our clothes are His. Our days are His. Our breath is His. Everything is His and we steal. This is mine, Lord. Like a little child will not let go of a toy. This is mine, and we withhold the glory from the Lord. We take all of the praise. We withhold our money from the Lord as Christians. We withhold our time from the Lord, refusing to worship Him. Lord, an hour is enough on a Sunday. I'll go in the morning, but I'll not go in the evening to worship You. We withhold serving from Him, We'd rather be selfish or operate with greed than to serve the Lord. Young person, maybe you're withholding a call from the Lord to go into ministry or to go into missionary work. See, we steal from the Lord all the time. That's why verse 20 comes again. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, not in this world. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. See how this corrects our hearts today? So as we close, what do we need to remember? We need to remember this, that our enemy, Satan, comes to do what? He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's a liar and he's a murderer and he's a thief. And in the garden in Genesis, what did he come to do? He came like a thief, and he stole from Adam and Eve, and he steals from millions of people today their joy of knowing the Lord. And how does he do it? He does it through what the Heidelberg Catechism says by stealing and offering them a counterfeit alternative. 
That's what he did to Eve in the garden. He got her to lay up treasure on earth instead of heaven. Take, have, you deserve. And she took and she stole from the tree from which she was forbidden. And in doing so, Satan stole from her, as it were, the perfect relationship that she had from the Lord. And so the great thief is Satan. He peddles knockoff goods. He offers counterfeit alternatives everywhere that he goes. And his children do the same. Those who are not believers, they steal and they rob, and they want to steal our joy, Christian. Now, what this commandment reveals in each of our hearts, I think, is this, that we're all thieves, aren't we? We've all stolen. We maybe steal every day from people around us. We steal from the Lord, but what we need to know is this, that there is forgiveness. How do we know there's forgiveness? Well, what about Zacchaeus? He, he was an expert in extortion, wasn't he? He expressed repentance in Luke 19. It says this, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. And then, on the cross, what did the Lord say to the thief that hung beside him? Today, you will be with me in paradise. There's forgiveness for all of us today. Found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And He commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. To not steal from one another and to come to Him and to find forgiveness and to find our joy restored. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we recognize this morning that Satan, our enemy, is the greatest faith. And he swindles us out of joy. He sells us counterfeit goods. He gives us knockoffs that will fail and that will leave us. And you have, have drawn our eyes this morning onto treasure that is in heaven, into walking in ways that please you, to prosper each other, to lay hold of this promise that you have given that you will provide for us, that we do not need to take for ourselves. And then you have also convicted us of how perhaps we have stolen, stolen from one another, how we have robbed you, Lord, of your glory and what is due to you. Would you help us this morning? Help us to see forgiveness. Thank you for those words, Jesus, that you spoke to the thief on the cross today you'll be with me in paradise because he repented and he believed in you. Restore us, we pray. Restore our relationships with others, we pray. Mend our broken relationships. Help us to come and ask for forgiveness from you and from one another. 
Lord, make us into a pure people, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.